Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in the things that never change. Never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome, you community of happy wars. You are so very welcome here at the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. And that's for the benefit of this entire vast community all around the entire world of happy warriors, men and women who recognize that the way the good Lord created the world is that anything of value, every achievement, every joy in life comes about through work. It is hard. It is not easy. It is not fun. It is not meant to be fun. It is supposed to generate deep happiness, inner fulfillment, and profound joy in the accomplishment of all of these tasks. That is how it works, and that is your understanding of how it works. And I know that because of the letters that I receive from you. People go to RabbiDanielLappin.com, and they go to the About Us tab, and under that is the opportunity to send us an email. And reading those, I see what a remarkable community of happy warriors you really are. And if at at this stage there are any of you happy warriors who have not yet downloaded your free book, your free ebook, right? The Holistic You, which puts you on the path for integrating your life in terms of the five F's, uh, nothing to lose and everything to gain. So do make sure you go to the website and you look for the free ebook download, We Happy Warriors dot com or rabbi daniel lappin.com and you look for the holistic you you won't have any trouble finding it at all and that is uh, it's a key tool for every happy warrior in june 2021 uh, somebody ran down a crowd of muslims 
in Ontario, Canada. It was in the in the town of London, Ontario. And uh, right after that, the Premier of Canada, Mr. Trudeau, immediately condemned the attack and he warned the Canadian people in the strongest terms that Islamophobia has no place in any of our communities. And he reassured the Muslim community, we stand with you. And the police immediately fanned out and began arresting suspects, punishing and applying punishment. Uh, yeah, no, there was no hesitation at all. Indeed, as, as there should have been. However, I wonder if you are aware that also starting in June, uh, June the 21st was when what I'm about to tell you began. June the 21st, 2021 in Canada, four Catholic churches and an Anglican church were burned to the ground, destroyed. Did we hear anything from Justin Trudeau? the uh, juvenile and putative head of Canada? No, not a word. So then suspicious fires broke out across all of Canada, and so far over 50 churches have been set aflame or damaged or destroyed. Okay, Um what has the Prime Minister had to say? Actually, nothing through all of June, and it was not until into July that July had begun that finally uh, Justin Trudeau had something to say. And uh, what he said was uh, very mild and tepid. He said... Um, he uh, condemns a rise of intolerance and racism and hatred that we're seeing across the country. And that, that was it. And not surprisingly, it did nothing to stop the arson and vandalism and destruction. And Christian churches continue to be destroyed in Canada, and nobody minds at all. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. Somebody pointed out to me that uh, more people in Canada have been arrested for praying in churches than have been arrested for burning down churches. There has been no enthusiastic attempt to apprehend the culprits in this uh, round of church burning. It doesn't worry Canada. But, oh, just let there be the slightest attack on a mosque or on Muslims, and the full ire of the Canadian administrative and law enforcement structure is fired up. Why is it? Why is it that they are more upset about any insult to Islam in Canada than they are to the destruction of Christian churches. Interestingly enough, an influential intellectual in British Columbia, who is also the executive director of the British Columbia Civil Liberties Association, and her name is Harsha Walia. Uh, she is a Muslim lady born in Bahrain, 
and now extremely vocal. She has a lot to say in Canada. And um, as the executive director of the Canadian Civil, the British Columbia Civil Association, um, she issued a tweet when it became clear that there was a concerted campaign to destroy Christian churches in Canada. Her Twitter account said, burn it all down, meaning all of Christianity, destroy it. And so the question I pose to you is, why would it be that a nation of Canada, which speaks English for the most part when they're not speaking French, and which is built on the tradition of Great Britain, and built on, yes, indeed, the foundations of the Anglican Church, and the the whole um, British system, which articulated absolutely unflinchingly and without any confusion throughout the 19th century, that their colonial enterprises in North America and elsewhere were to spread the gospel of Christianity. That's what it's all about. So to say that Canada was founded on the principles of Christianity uh, would be only telling the truth. And yet, right now, Canadian hostility to Christianity is so striking that I, I have to bring it to your attention. I have to tell you about this in spite of the fact that I am a Jewish rabbi. So why does this concern me? Well, it should concern anybody at all. Uh, Susan Lappin writes in her current Susan's Musings that a lot of Jewish people are now boycotting Ben and Jerry's ice cream because they uh, refuse to sell the ice cream in parts of Israel that are in contention. And, uh, and it's interesting, of course. To me, it's interesting because one can easily come up with five or six other parts of the world in which real estate is in serious contention. And there, Ben and Jerry's have absolutely no problem selling. And there are some interesting reasons in the administrative structure of Ben and Jerry's. The fact that Ben and Jerry were real people who were Jewish uh, socialists. And uh, so... But Susan Lappin wrote amusing uh, right now, where she said, I cannot join the Ben and Jerry's uh, boycott because I've been boycotting Ben and Jerry's um, since the 90s. And she, uh, she mentioned a conference, a business conference, where Ben and Jerry, one of them, I don't remember which one of them was a speaker. And there were a lot of other speakers. Zig Ziglar was there. There were business speakers and uh, everybody spoke about capitalism and everyone spoke about entrepreneurship and either ben or jerry which one of it which one whichever one it was got up and gave a rabid diatribe against america against our military against our economic system and it was from that moment that susan lappin began boycotting ben and jerry's in other words the uh, the problem that uh, i see with what is going on in Canada 
is that it is in many ways a harbinger of what we can expect to see continuing to happen in the United States of America and elsewhere. A war on Christianity and a love affair with Islam. And I ask you, what possible reason can there be for the Canadian administrative structure to be so hostile to Christianity whilst their traditional and often spoken of Canadian friendliness is reserved for Islam? And I'm going to give you the answer. Now, you may have other answers, and if you do, you know I want to hear from you. But I have not been able to so far discover any other answers, and I've asked many groups of people, but you may have an answer, and if so, I want to hear you. But the answer I am providing now as to why that is, is because Canada and the United States and much of the English-speaking world, Australia, New Zealand, parts of the United Kingdom, parts of Europe, not English-speaking, have all been overtaken by a love affair, an emotional love affair with socialism. And at the heart of it is a hatred for the West, a hatred for civilization. And yes, civilization is a product of the Bible, and it's a product of the Bible-based Judeo-Christian tradition. And so if you are hostile to civilization and you are hostile to a God-centric view of reality, why then you have to be hostile to civilization and to Christianity. And so that's why it is. Yes, when churches are burned down, we get it. And yes, when America in the summer of 2020, barbarians invaded cities and tore up the cities, destroying infrastructure, smashing windows, and looting stores. At the height of the damn panic, I'm sorry, I mean the pandemic, at the height of it, the authorities turned a blind eye because they were destroying civilization. And if you're destroying civilization, that's okay. Defund the police. That's right. I get it, because law and order, law and order, for which you absolutely have to depend on that policeman walking a beat or driving his patrol car, law and order is foundational to civilization. And so if you are hostile to civilization, why? You'll be hostile to the police, of course. You might ask, why would, on earth would they want to destroy civilization? And the answer is because an increasingly large number of people in many countries around the world have decided they will be better off in a world that plunders instead of produces, in a world that takes instead of a world that makes. In other words, they will be much better off in a world where civilization collapses than in a world where civilization is retained, 
Because one of the things that happens in a civilization is it's utterly dependent on a meritocracy. If you work hard and you are sensitive to other people and you try and solve other people's problems and you are able to act with self-discipline and self-restraint, why, you will do well. And if you're able to apply millennia-old rituals and rules and regulations and restrictions that are part of the Judeo-Christian Bible-based way of thinking, then you will be able to suppress or control male sexuality and channel it into families. And within families, you have the foundational blocks of society, and you have what we call civilization. But civilization comes with many rules and restrictions and restraints. That's right. And the barbarians have decided that they would do far better in a world of barbarism than in a world of civilization. And many, many elected representatives, including Justin Trudeau in Canada, uh, have decided that that is where their bread is buttered. That's where they will do best. That's right. That's how it works. Uh, Do you remember that I recently told you about the city of Philadelphia's ill-fated excursion into battery-driven buses? And, uh, you know, the result is hilarious. It's not hilarious for Philadelphia taxpayers whose money in the order of tens of millions was wasted on these buses, which each cost four or five times more than a regular bus and lasted for a quarter of the time. Of course, it's not funny for Philadelphia taxpayers, but you folks in Philadelphia, you voted for these clowns. They they didn't assume power by means of a coup you voted for them so why do you have so much trouble seeing the connection between the people you vote for their policies and the city you end up living in i don't know why people have so much trouble making that connection well i do part of it is they listen to what politicians say instead of watching what politicians do That's one of the main reasons. At any rate, just for your laugh, just in order to give you a cheerful few moments where you can lean back and let loose with a real belly laugh as the great big giggle rumbles up from your tummy, uh, I'll give you that because it turns out, thank you to one of our happy warriors, Ray in Livermore, Uh, I am now in possession of information of yet another city that tried this experiment of battery buses. It's hilarious. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. It's just funny. It really is funny. (laughs) It really is. And uh, I'm going to just take two or three minutes of your time to tell you about that so you too can laugh. But uh, before I do that, I want to engage in an advertisement. I want to tell you that you constantly hear me talking about the role of the Bible. All right, yes, it's true. It is the most significant yet overlooked volume of world history. And we are now living in a time, not only in the United States where I live, but in many other countries 
and my world map is almost filled with pins representing listeners in almost every country. I should actually let you know which countries I do not seem to have any audience members for the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show, but there are not many, I'll tell you that. And uh, I, um, uh, I, I tell you, we're living in a time where in, in all countries, most countries, people of influence, prestige, and prominence know less about the Bible than the Marx brothers knew about brain surgery. Seriously. You, you think of people dominating in popular culture, commentators, leaders in entertainment, leaders in business, leaders in finance, leaders in politics. And as I like to point out, the truth is they really do not know whether Leviticus is the name of a men's aftershave cologne or whether it is the name of a book of the Bible. They don't know. There is abysmal ignorance. And it's um, it's something that everybody should think about, right? I don't care about what your relationship is with God, or maybe it isn't at all. Maybe you are religious. Maybe you're not religious. But I know that you are a person who is interested in reality. You're interested in the world, and you're interested in how the world really works. Otherwise, you would not invest your time in this show, and you do. And so you know that I take very, very seriously the responsibility of not frittering away your investment and not in any way whatsoever making the return on your investment of time anything less than it can be and should be. And so regardless of what your feelings are about God— for you to ignore the role played by this book is to miss out on a main segment of understanding how the world really works. I spoke about uh, Canada and the evident hatred of Christianity, not only in Canada, but, but much of the world today. And it disturbs me profoundly because Judaism and Christianity partnered in creating civilization. I mean, even the Hudson Bay Company, which played such a role in the early development of Canada, today it's just a department store, and, you know, not a particularly great one at that, but um, you'll find them all around Canada. But when it originally started, the Hudson Bay Company was very much a Christian organization. It wasn't a church but it was operated, administered, and and propelled by people who were Bible-believing Christians. That is what laid the foundations of Canada. And so it's important to understand that what makes the Western world work, what really distinguishes the West from the rest, is not skin color the way that woke leftists want to turn it into, but it is the role played by the Bible in the founding of the country. 
there are so many areas and if you think about them you'll come up with them yourself but if you think about what makes a society work first of all and in no particular order when i say first of all i don't mean most importantly but i'm just listing a few of the ideas implanted in the cohesive and collaborative consciousness of a society necessary to make things work Uh, one of them is keeping your word biblical value by the way keeping your word that it is important that what you say is what will be and what is keeping your word biblical idea it doesn't exist in much of the world that never had a biblical foundation to its founding seriously it doesn't exist um, eschewing of violence you know it's the idea that men need to be socialized by marriage that's right i've told you before um, prestigious and persuasive anthropologists like joseph daniel unwin u-n-w-i-n an important guy among many others have shown the absolutely reliable connection between males and females living in marriage and without and showing how what we call civilization has never yet emerged in a country or a society where marriage as we understand it in the west is the order of the day hasn't existed that's a biblical value Uh, the idea of um, of violence in general not not being rewarded biblical value Uh, the idea of human beings collaborating with one another the idea that creativity depends on communication which depends on connection and allows collaboration ultimately creativity that relationship between people connecting serving one another cooperating and collaborating and ultimately creating bible value it's not an accident that mechanisms for connecting people emerged in what we call the west what i call the bible-based west the telegraph right in the united states in 1844 steamships before that railways telephone that's right television radio why did some of these things not get invented in asia or in africa or in other civilizations or other cultures if you prefer right not because of skin color and not because of innate intelligence no because the bible system places people on a railroad track that leads to stations along the way having to do with peace and prosperity and connection and communication and city building that's right city building is a bible function you don't think that generations of children who studied about how cain found favor in the eyes of god again by building a city even though the population of the earth was very very tiny what was that all about you don't think that generations of people who grew up on those discussions were not influenced 
to build communities and towns and cities? Well, they were. And those cities attracted and continue to attract people from all around the world. And so what I am actually depicting to you is something that requires you to banish from your mind the childish pictures of the Bible that you carry within you, possibly, probably, right? Just a, uh, a long book of narratives about anachronistic events and long-forgotten peoples and tribes. And if that's what you think the Bible is, well, then obviously it has no meaning. And why should you spend any time on it? But what if it isn't like that at all? And what if seen through the lens of ancient Jewish wisdom, it is actually as effective in understanding how the world really works as the instruction manual, the fat, thick, beautiful, illustrated instruction manual you might find in the glove box of an expensive new car. That's what it is. And if you have any interest whatsoever, and and seriously, why would you not want to walk on this journey with me? I mean, I'm excited to bring it to you, and I know you would be excited as soon as you began to get a glimpse that this is nothing like what you thought it was, right? This is, <laughs> it, it just isn't. And so, for that reason, uh, you will find in the description below and on the website, uh, rabbidaniellappin.com, you will find how you can click and watch a free first episode in my famous Scrolling Through Scripture series that is inspiring communities of happy warriors in many, many countries around the world, as I told you. It's, it's an exciting time, and uh, you should be part of the community. Uh, the more of us there are, the stronger we are. Uh, the more like-minded people I connect with, the less lonely is my world, and the same is true for you. And the theme around which we connect, the, uh, the, the um, meme that serves to unite us, is a new and fresh look at the Bible that in reality is 3,000 years old. A look at the Bible that you're not finding elsewhere, but which has been a part of ancient Jewish wisdom for a very long time, ignored by the world at large, and for the most part, no interest on the part of Jews in sharing. Why I am passionately excited about sharing is another story. Some of you know it, and uh, it's something that I share with my happy warriors in different uh, venues and on different occasions, and I'm not uh, talking about that now possibly might come close to wasting your time. I think it's of interest, but it's not important, and so uh, I'm not going to go into why I am um, different in the sense of being a Jewish rabbi, passionate about sharing the lens of ancient Jewish wisdom that transforms this majestic volume, which has sold more copies than any other book in the history of the world since I, since Johann Gutenberg created the printing press in 1450. And um, 
transforms this book from ancient stories and incomprehensible fables into a contemporary instruction manual that tells you in 2018 and in 2020 and in 2022 how the world really works in practical ways that improve your five F's, your finances. Yes, a very important part of the Bible. Are you aware that there are more rules, structures, descriptions about financial transactions in the five books of Moses than about any other area of moral endeavor? That money is holy? (laughs) That's right. And when you understand those things, why would you be surprised that Jews are disproportionately good with money? And how ancient Jewish wisdom allows the Bible to transform from a book of legends into an instruction manual on relationships between men and women with your family, with your friends, even physical health, even your body. And yes, your spiritual connections as well. And that also is more important than you might actually realize. Because there is a connection between mental health and mental tranquility and mental stability and a connection with God. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, really. That's right. And so uh, what, uh, you know what I'm going to do, if you don't mind, just for fun, I'm going to play you a few bars of a tune, and I'm interested to see how many of you uh, might be able to identify the tune. I'm I'm just playing the first few bars of it, and I wonder if, just for fun, uh, any of you spot, anyone of you can identify the tune, go ahead to, if you can, and you, you have a few minutes to spare, go to my website, rabbidaniellappin.com, click on the About Us, send me a message, and do tell me the name of the tune that I'm going to play for you now. Okay, now uh, I said I was going to tell you a little bit about (laughs) just a few minutes worth uh, to do with yet another town that um, uh, experienced battery-driven buses. Uh, But first of all, um, allow me, if you will, to take a moment to um, effect a thermal event. I just have to do a thermal event here to light a cigar, okay? And now let's take a look at um, um, some more buses built by the same firm, Proterra. Well, guess what? They caught fire in Southern California. Yes, the Foothill Transit Agency, which serves some of the valleys uh, east of Los Angeles, uh, will decide and is in the process of deciding uh, whether these buses are still operable. They're deciding that they're not operable. Um, You see, uh, they reported buses that caught fire. (laughs) That's right, in Southern California, battery buses built by Proterra caught fire. And um, 
the manufacturing company Proterra uh, refers to those as thermal events. That's right. When a bus catches fire, it's not a bus catching fire. No, we use a public relations euphemism. It was a thermal event. Well, um, there have actually been quite a lot of thermal events that have taken place with battery-driven vehicles. And uh, the reason is because when you draw a lot of current from an electrical battery, uh, its temperature goes up like crazy. And, um, and so you might have a thermal event. Or if you charge a battery, push current into it, not out, but push it in in very high volume, high amperage, um, the battery gets very hot and you actually might get a thermal event, which in the Rabbi Lappin, Daniel Lappin dictionary actually means a fire. Um, another problem, buses have actually, Proterra buses have melted. Uh, they've had transmission failures, is what also happened to the buses in Philadelphia. So um, there you go. The buses have had thermal events. Some have melted and some transmissions are failures. And so they are uh, basically shelving the buses. They've been buying them for a, a few years. Um, most of them are around about from 2019. And I'm talking to you now in the middle of 2021. So it's not as if these buses have lasted a very long time. Um, it's, uh, it, look, I'm sorry. Um, why am I laughing? I mean, do I like laughing at other people's misfortunes? No, but when you bring misfortune on yourself for foolish reasons when you do something really stupid in spite of the fact that there is plenty of information that what you are doing is incredibly stupid and you still go ahead and do it uh, well I, yes i laugh i think it's hilarious i really do and um, there, look there are good reasons to take actions right uh, economics is a very good reason to take action. Uh, you may decide you need to buy something. You may decide that you're not going to buy something and you're going to save the money instead. These are economic motivations, and they're good. There are also other motivations. Um, you might decide to buy, if you're a man, you might decide to buy an engagement ring for a young woman you're hoping will marry you. Uh, that would be an emotional purchase, not a financial reason, and, and that's good as well. Uh, there are things you do in order to um, protect the spiritual values of yourself and your family. There are all kinds of legitimate reasons for doing things. But preventing the oceans from rising is just a really stupid reason because it's nothing you got to worry about. I, I got a marvelous letter from a happy warrior who lives in Greenland. And uh, she points out that uh, all the United Nations photographers come to snap pictures of uh, ice melting. She says they only come at the time of the year when the ice melts, but they're not to be found. No photographers come at the time of the year when the ice is expanding and growing. So, uh, yeah, look, be that as it may, um, the uh, governments have been making really bad decisions for years already on the basis of reasons that make no sense. Um, the state of California in the United States, California has already for a number of years been a third world country. 
Um, no more than maybe two years ago, uh, I did a Rabbi Daniel Lappin show, some of you might remember, um, when I pretended that we were raising money to help California solve its water crisis. And some of you happy warriors are so unbelievably good-hearted that some of you actually wrote in asking how you can help. And, of course, it was a, a total hoax on my part because I was trying to point out that in the same way that uh, many charities like World Vision and, um, uh, and many others for years have been raising money to help get clean water for African villages, I said we should now do the same for California because California is suffering from this water shortage. And what happens every summer? The government of California asks people to turn down the air conditioning because there's not enough electricity to make it work. And and you know the reason for all of these things. The reason is very simple. California stopped building dams. Now, dams provide water and they provide electricity. And there's loads and loads of water that melts every spring and summer off the western slopes of the Sierra Nevada mountains and that flows away pointlessly into the Pacific Ocean. But why won't California build dams? because of, quote, environmental factors. And so when I hear that California has no electricity, I'm sorry, but I chuckle. I mean, of course they don't. For how long can you sympathize with stupidity? I mean, really? But, um, you know, I'm embarrassed because I know some, some of you are so nice. You're so much nicer than I am that you are disappointed and saddened that I giggle at California's water shortage, and I giggle at California's electricity shortage. I don't giggle for the folks who stuck there and have to live with all of that. I'm sorry, but folks, you voted for those politicians, didn't you? How can you not see the connection? Enough of that, right? I don't. I don't have to uh, drive that point home excessively. Now, now we come to what I think may be the most important part of today's Rabbi Daniel Lappin show, okay? I am going to remind you, and I'm saying reminding you because if you're a happy warrior, and I hope you are, then you probably deep down already know this. But in the same way that I know that I need frequent reminders of this, I am going to take the liberty, if you'll forgive me, of presuming that you too could benefit from a reminder. What do I want to remind you of? That basically the only time to say the words I feel are when, number one, you are expressing emotions to somebody for whom you have strong feelings. So you might say, I feel that I want to spend my whole life together with you if you will do me the honor of marrying me. You might say, I feel in that context. Um, and, and many other contexts where, where you know, you might say uh, to a child, you know, I, I feel that you are so important to me and your welfare is something I feel central to my being. You can say I feel in those sort of contexts, Right. Here's another time you might say, I feel, when you are in a negotiation and you want to leave yourself wiggle room. 
So when you say, look, I feel that that price is higher than I can pay. I feel that that price is too high. I feel that the time frame mentioned in the contract is too tight. When you say I feel like that, what you really are doing is leaving yourself wiggle room. Because I feel means this is how I'm feeling at this moment. But my feeling, like all feelings, are transient. And they might be changed. I might feel differently in a few minutes. Maybe you'll say something that'll make me feel differently. But when you say, I think, well, that's the result of serious thought. When you say, I think, it means you are less likely to change, um, though additional or new evidence might well change what I think. But it won't be a change caused by emotion thoughts have reason behind them therefore they are called reasonable right and one of the nice things about expressing a thought is that you can give the reason which makes the thought very compelling in a discussion or a negotiation you say i feel the price is too high the other side smiles to themselves and said, well, you know, that's just because you don't understand what you're getting. I mean, we'll, we'll soon help you feel right. But if I say, I think the price is a little on the high side because I have compared it with the prices of similar products and services issued throughout my geographic region, and I grant that in another geographic region, your price is more appropriate. But here where we are now, I'm afraid it isn't. Now you make it much more difficult for the other side to do anything. You make it the easiest thing is for them to comply now because you've not only given a thought instead of a feeling, but you've given a reason behind the thought much harder to counter. Okay, that's important to get. It's also important to understand that, and and here my intention is not to offend anybody, and I guess I have to say that, although happy warriors are not people who are quick to take offense, um, in general, feelings are feminine, thoughts are masculine. Feelings are feminine, thoughts are masculine. Doesn't mean women don't think, doesn't mean men don't feel. So please hear what I said. Feelings in general are feminine, thoughts in general are masculine. And so uh, sort of understand that because progress is made with thoughts more than with feelings and one way to measure the vitality of a group might be a club might be a society might be a people might be a nation might be a family but if you're in the company of that group or you read their literature or you listen to them talking and you hear a lot more about feelings than about thoughts, then you know to yourself, you know that it is a feminine trending group or society or people. And, um, and I should also tell you that the default condition is feminine. In exactly the same way, and I've spoken to you about this before, in the same way that um, the physical world is a reflection 
of spiritual reality. It's almost as if God said, I'm going to create a world that manifests and demonstrates and shows and reveals all the spiritual truths that I have taught in my majestic volume called the Bible. And so, uh, the physical world, in the physical world, what do we have? Uh, Something we know about is that human beings, whether we are conceived and are going to become male or female, whether we're going to become men or women, in the initial few weeks, we're all female. That's what it looks like. And then at a certain point in the gestation, a jolt of testosterone comes along and changes everything. And that produces men. Okay. And so the natural and default condition is feminine. It takes a jolt of energy to produce masculine. And so if you are raising children, as I hope you are or have, then you will have had the extraordinarily exciting experience of discovering the difference between raising boys and raising girls and discovering the power of testosterone and discovering that uh, boys require a much greater infusion of energy than girls do. That's right, you heard me. It is easier to raise girls than it is to raise boys, at least up to the age of, say, 16, maybe 15, maybe somewhere there. I admit that thereupon it becomes very difficult. But the challenge of raising children is a greater challenge for boys, you know, up to about, uh, say, 16 as well, approximately, because the natural tendency is for boys to become thugs or wimps. Left to themselves, boys will move towards aggressiveness, unrestrained ambition, and essentially no restraint whatsoever on sexuality and violence. That's the way boys left to themselves become thugs. Boys raised by single moms can very easily become thugs, or the alternative, they become wimps. They become feminized. They become not manly, not masculine, not boys. That's the other alternative. And so when single moms, and hey, look, I know, many single moms out there, you're doing heroic, heroic jobs. And many of you have gone out of your way to find men to play a role in your son's lives because you know how important it is. And so uh, my hat is off. And many of you have written and told us, some of you have written to ask the rabbi column on our website. And so believe me, I know who you are. But in the United States in general, There are very large numbers of single moms, and the numbers are growing, by the way, and they produce boys who are thugs or wimps because it takes a lot of testosterone energy to make a boy, or in other words, it takes a man to turn a boy into a man. It does. And a man dedicated to that boy, the best man in the whole world is his father. That's how it works. And 
if he is not there, then the boy will devolve. In most cases, not every case, there are some remarkable young men. But in most cases, and you only have to look out in the streets of America to see this to be true, thugs or wimps. That's what boys that have not been turned into men become. That's right. Huge problem for society. It goes without saying, right? It goes without saying. But um, the cultural obsession with feeling rather than thinking is very much part and parcel of this whole trend. What am I talking about? Well, uh, something that recently trended on Twitter, and it's all over the place. I mean, if you want to find it, it's, it's truly hilarious. Uh, it's a somebody very clever did a comparison between recruiting videos of the CIA, the American Central Intelligence Agency, recruiting videos of the United States Army, and recruiting videos of the Russian Army. Needless to say, on the Russian army, the masculinity oozes off the screen if you watch their recruiting video. You find buff, chiseled men parachuting out of uh, airplanes and climbing up ropes and doing obstacle courses and doing push-ups, and they are working hard, and they, oh my goodness, they are men. You look at a recruiting video of the United States Army, and it's this girl who tells how she was raised by two moms and she feels so good about it. And what's more, she feels she has always fought for equality in this world and she feels it's so important. All we hear about is what she feels. And um, <clears throat> the, the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency ad, well, again, um, it's a, a woman who says that um, she explains that she is intersectional, cisgender, millennial woman of color with anxiety disorder, and she is recruiting for the Central Intelligence Agency. By the way, not once does she mention in all her lengthy identities, and these are things she feels, you know. I mean, she feels these things, intersectional and cisgender, millennial woman of color with anxiety disorder. I'm sorry, I have to laugh or cry, one of the two. Uh, she never once mentions that she's, her identity is American, right? What hope is there? Can you imagine how loudly... Chinese government and military officials laughed when they saw these Twitter feeds and they were able to so easily contrast the Russian recruiting ad with the American recruiting ads for the intelligence agency and for the army. I mean, it's, it, it's really amazing. It's a culture of feelings. Um, one of, if, you, if you would rely on newspaper headlines, uh, you'd think that uh, one of the most important things ever to happen is um, the fact that a very talented Olympic American athlete called Simone Biles dropped out of the Olympic contest. Okay, you'd really think it was the most important thing that happened in America this week. And, um, you know, look, um, 
I'm I'm not saying what what she did things on in in gymnastics that I've never seen anyone else do. I mean, she was she was amazing, no question about it. And then she dropped out. Why? Because she broke an ankle? No, no, absolutely not. Because of her feelings. And um, and look, I, I'm not I'm not um, the uh, the boss of her. You know, she can do whatever she likes. But my concern is the reaction to her dropping out tells me whether I should invest in American stocks or look elsewhere. Basically, that's what it boils down to. Right. Do I think that America has a future that in any way resembles its past or not? And I have to judge that on the kind of cultural reactions to Simone Biles dropping out. Here are some of the things she said, okay? I just felt like it would be a little bit better to take a backseat to work on my mindfulness. Mindfulness? I don't know what that word even means. But okay, fine. You know, she's a 23-year-old girl. Um, Good luck to her. But I did notice that she said, I just felt it would be a little bit better. So she dropped out of an Olympic competition where she was representing the United States of America in her sport because of feelings. Um, She also said, I have to put my pride aside. Pride? That's a feeling again. I don't see that it has any place. Uh, If in business a colleague says to me, well, I have my pride, then I know we don't have long for our relationship. Because, you know, if... You're free to act in any way you wish, but please don't talk to me about your feelings in the workplace. Let's talk about thinks, thoughts, that's all. So she says, I have to put my pride aside. I have to do what's right for me and focus on my mental health. Okay, now I don't want to sound, I'm not going to sound as if I'm poking fun at people with mental health problems, but I am going to say something very important and I will not be deterred from telling you the truth for fear that people are going to attack me for mocking people with mental health problems. I'm not doing that. I'm fully sympathetic, but that doesn't mean I have to accept everything. Listen to what else Simone said, explaining why she dropped out. We should be out there having fun, and sometimes that's not the case. Really? Achieving Olympic level success is supposed to be having fun. Now that's all about a feeling, right? You can't think fun, but you can feel fun. That's interesting. Um, Then she said, look, I have to put mental health first because if you don't, you're just not going to enjoy your sport. Okay. I think when a country sends you to the Olympics, we're kind of beyond you enjoying your sport and how you feel about it. We're talking about a lot of people having invested a lot in you being where you are. And you are in line for some very remunerative sponsorship deals, right? This is work. It's not fun. And um, I'm only interested in the reaction. You know, in other words... Simone Biles can do what she likes. I will tell you this, that originally in the Olympics, (laughs) you're not going to like this one little bit, but I'll remind you that only men competed, not women. 
the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, with their Olympic Games, would have burst out into hilarious laughter if anybody was suggested women compete. They would have told you women are not the, are not as competitive as men naturally. Yes, of course you can train to become that. No question about it. But it's it's not for women. It's for men. That's what the ancient Greeks would have told you. Now I understand. A couple of thousand years have gone by, and we've progressed because we are progressives. <laughs> right really and um and and i do i mean politicians have been amazing prominent politicians have been making statements of they are so infatuated with simone biles they've been applauding her dropping out uh, the white house press secretary expressed gratitude and support uh, people said this is the most impressive move of her career um cnn as if that's worth quoting called her performance of dropping out impactful she's been hailed for her strength and for setting an amazing example and being a great athlete and role model women's advocacy advocacy groups have thanked her i don't know look um these are, are really bad reactions right i'm simone biles can do whatever she likes i'm i'm i really don't care about the olympics i haven't for years and um except when usain bolt won the 100 meters in london in 2012 that's different but uh the rest no i don't care about she can do what she likes and uh and uh, you know people will will judge her accordingly in one way or another but i can't help wondering you know if um if a uh, a football player you know think of some really top football player top of his game uh you know greatest of all time let's imagine a football player um in in a uh, you know in in the in the ultimate game of the year right the the super bowl and he drops out and he says you know um we're supposed to be out there having fun and and that, I, i've just not been feeling that it's fun and uh, I mean, I really felt that it would be a little better to be uh, on the field, but it isn't. And so I have to get off to work on my mindfulness. And um, and the football player says, look, you know, I mean, everyone, it's important to put my mental health first, right? Because that's the only way to enjoy your sport. How would people have reacted? Do you think they'd have reacted the same way as they've reacted to Simone Biles? I put it to you that the reaction to Simone Biles is only and precisely because she's female. And I think that in general, if a uh, an NFL star would have pulled out of a Super Bowl game, the equivalent of the Olympics, saying these same things, I've got to be mindful of my mental health. It's just not fun out there on the field anymore for me. Really? I mean, that that's that's what she said. I don't think the world would be quite as tolerant See, because deep down, they know that men and women are different. Can there be any better proof than this? Surely not. How about this tune? Tell me if you can identify this piece of music. Artist and, and name of the song, okay? You ready? You have it? 
I mean, you know, feel free to ignore it if you want. That's just me having fun, okay? These are songs that uh, were big hits in uh, in their time, uh, and and you still hear them played on on uh, on stations, radio stations, all the time. So uh, I'm not being unfair. Neither of the songs I've I've asked you to guess are. Uh, um obscure some things you never know about but anyways ignore it if you wish you don't have to, you don't have to uh humor my humor which has had something of a workout lately with all the battery bus uh, disasters so um okay so so what's going on with the uh, with the uh, the recruitment ads for the American Army or for the American Intelligence Agency. Uh, what's going on when the the whole nation applauds an Olympic athlete putting her feelings ahead of the hard work? Look, it's not fun. We know it. It's hard to compete as an athlete. Yes, I told you at the beginning, being a happy warrior means not only recognizing that every achievement in life is hard work it is and the greater the achievement the greater the work right you cannot lie in bed and expect things to come for you you know unless you're a trust fund babe but otherwise no and so we get that and the reason olympic athletes get adulation is precisely because they can overcome the pain and overcome the stress and still make it to the gold medal we get it and here is where i am going to um, say about mental health that um, you see the problem with mental health is that with a broken ankle there is no dispute it is a fact not a feeling we got it and um you know if if somebody has uh an, some disease or um or, or whatever it is okay they are objective diagnoses right medicine recognizes the disease it's there now what everyone will be screaming at me is you know you idiot don't you understand mental disease exactly the same and it's just that in the darkness of our primitive early tribalism up until 2018 we never realized that mental health is exactly like physical health and mental disease is exactly like physical no it isn't okay it is not because it is much more subjective and it is not an accident that the American medical establishment has created a vast industry of mental health. And call me cynical, but here's the great advantage in being a doctor for mental health. And that is, there's nobody else who knows whether you have cured the person or not. It's everything depends on what you say. They'll even tell the patient that the patient doesn't fully understand the extent of their mental health. And every mental disorder that has been catalogued in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the Mental Health Profession, each has a billing code for insurance and for government medical payout. And it's become a growing proportion until it's even shockingly 
proportionate to the cost spent on physical disorders. Mental disorder is a category that is growing like crazy. And yes, it is subjective. If I tell you I'm feeling stress, there's not a single person in the whole world who can tell me that I'm wrong. But if I tell you I've got a broken ankle, you know, in one minute with an x-ray, a doctor will tell me, you know, you may have a slight sprain, but you've got no broken ankle. Or alternatively, he's like, wow, what did you do here? Your ankle is smashed. It's objective and it's more real. Okay. Okay. I'm not throwing stones at people with mental problems, but I am asking you to be aware that there is a difference between thoughts and feelings. And there's a difference between hard facts and soft feelings. And finally, and above all, you know, I always tell you that you need to be focused on your five F's. Right? That's why I encourage you to get hold of the download, the ebook download, The Holistic You, on my website. And I fully recognize that for many happy warriors, the section on finance makes sense. Section on family yeah, pretty much makes sense. Section on friendships, yeah, I can, I can see that life isn't so good with no friends. And the section on physical fitness, yeah, absolutely. Then we come to the section on faith. And you say, yeah, you know what? I don't need that part. Okay, fine. Listen, there are many things that we need that we're unaware of. Okay, you know, your body needs a certain amount of potassium to operate. But, you know, nobody, for the most part, goes to the pharmacy and says, uh, do you have some potassium tablets? You know, for the most part, you rely on your, your diet to provide it. And if it failed to provide it, it might take you quite a while before you recognize you had a problem. Or, you know, vitamin D deficiency, whatever it is. Um, we don't actually feel these things. We kind of know them intellectually. And I am suggesting, and hey, you know what? I mean, no notches on my gun, I promise you. So, uh, as you know, my, my function here on the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show is to make ancient Jewish wisdom accessible to you. And uh, you may just find it entertaining and do nothing about it. That's your prerogative. Or you may decide to change your life and benefit and bring the changes to your life that totally transform and bring you moments of deep and real happiness and joy and fulfillment. Yeah, all of that is true. Um, and so, you know, either way, whichever goes, all I'm doing is letting you know that uh, some of the most successful people on the planet in the last 2,000 years knew and understood that they did need a connection with the deity, a connection with God. Now, for many people, uh, you know, it, there are so many uncomfortable memories. I can't tell you how many Jewish happy warriors have told me the unhappiness they feel with Hebrew school as a kid when the rabbi wrapped them on the knuckle of the ruler. And by the way, I've heard exactly the same things from Catholics who remember the priest rapping. <laughs> there must have been a lot of knuckle rapping going on. That's all I can say. Um, I mean, I know many Jewish happy warriors who told me we will not set foot in a synagogue. But they have asked me for direction on how to connect with God. Isn't that interesting? They want nothing to do with what they call organized religion. 
but they ask me, so is there a way for me as an individual to actually connect with God? You know, these are interesting questions, and and they fascinate me, and I, I love working with people on them. They really are very important indeed. And uh, all I'm going to tell you at this point, although I'll have much more to discuss on this later on, and that is that uh, <clears throat> uh, mental health, and yes, there are certain specific organic disorders. There are, I understand that. But in general, the vast majority of what is generously categorized as mental health are issues that would simply not be there if real connection with God was present. <laughs> I know this is, this is disturbing stuff. You're not going to like that. You're not going to be happy hearing me say it. And I repeat it not to make you miserable and not to aggravate you and not to irritate you. I repeat it because I know that happy warriors are capable of hearing things, even things with which they initially strongly disagree, but they're still capable of hearing things and asking themselves, could this just possibly be a factor? you got to know that when Sigmund Freud started up this whole field and popularized this field of psychiatry, making a whole mess of many things, needless to say, but, um, you know, he came from a rabbinic family. And what he was trying to do, and you can see from the titles, you don't even have to read them, but from the titles of some of his books, he was trying to come up with a replacement for religion. That's right. He wanted a way to get the benefits of mental health without the costs of God. I mean, that's really what it's all about, I'm telling you. But don't trust me on that. Uh, just remain open to the concept. Expand your reading a little bit. And, um, and, and don't be shocked at what you discover. God is needed faith is one of the five f's yes it is not only every bit as important as finance and friendship and physical fitness but intrinsically essential to each one of those one of the key things i explain in the uh, holistic you is the need to fully grasp how each of these five f's interconnect with one another and that your capacity to make money, your capacity to build a good relationship with a man or with a woman, whatever you're not, uh, is related to your connection with God. It's true. Now, I mean, this is radical stuff. You know, you you, you, you might well be forgiven and say, hey, what's the matter? Have I, have I tuned into a religious station by mistake? No, that's not how it works. I don't listen to religious stations either. I really don't, because to me, the connection with God is part of my connection with my wife and my children and part of my connection with my friends and part of my connection with my money and, yes, part of my connection with my body as well. To quote the great um, Jerry Seinfeld, um, you know, treating your body like an amusement park or treating your body like a temple. Those are uh, two different viewpoints, and uh, one of them has to do with a connection with God, and one of them has to do with the banishing of God from your reality. Uh, the author of the Father Brown series, 
uh, once wrote um, G.K. Chesterton, I think it was, right? He, uh, he has Father Brown saying to somebody very nicely, the guy says to him, I'm not much for God. Uh, I am much more interested in the practical things of life. And I'm paraphrasing totally. And Father Brown, uh, the wise Catholic priest, responds to him and says, um, if you really are interested in the practical parts of the real world, then you desperately need your connection with God. And that's, that's really what it is. He said it better than I did, but what I said is also true. And uh, that is indeed really how it works. So, my friends, uh, thoughts are very important. Feelings are also, but you've got to be able to know the difference. A culture more focused on feelings than on thoughts is a doomed culture. And um, we've got to recognize that uh, masculinity revolves more about thoughts than feelings. Femininity, more about feelings than thoughts. Uh, yes, a female athlete, I think she was treated differently when she dropped out because of her feelings. I think a male athlete would have been treated very differently. And that's I'm fine with that because I do believe men and women are completely different from one another. And so uh, that makes perfect sense to me. I get that. And that uh, take, raising boys is hard, takes work. Being a man is hard and takes work. Now, well, it would be hard to be a woman also. Not in exactly the same way. In, in very basic terms, and there's much more to it, uh, needless to say, but um, in, uh, in, in terms of male and female differences, men have to perform. Women are. Men are measured by what they've achieved. Men are measured by their affiliations. Women much less so. And that is why even in the most intimate of circumstances where the true, real nature of masculinity and femininity are revealed, the action is performed by the man. And that is why, not only in the Lord's language, but I'm afraid even in obscene and vulgar vernacular, the action is described not as something that a man and woman do together, but it's something that the man does. Okay, That's just a reality, and it's one of the ways in which it's harder to be a man than it is to be a woman. I will tell you this uh, again from having spoken to hundreds of audiences and had many, many question and answer sessions, having had thousands of people call my radio show over the years I was doing a terrestrial radio show, and that is that boys start worrying from a young age as to what are they going to do? What are they going to do? How are they going to make money? What, what are they going to be? You know, my father's a plumber. What am I going to be? Boys worry about that stuff. Girls don't. Girls have those issues foisted on them by a culture intoxicated by rabid and furious feminism. 
But it really is different. Yeah, are there girls that are different? Sure. Are there boys? That, yeah, obviously, all of that is true. I mean, uh, one of the things that almost guarantees that a boy loses his ambition and his productive ability is from the fir- earliest ages. And I know families like this, where the parents say to the boy, you're never going to have to work in your life. Daddy has made so much money, you're never going to have to work. And uh, this is not a blessing for the boy, but a curse, as I'm sure many of you know. It does not go well. And so, uh, yeah, uh, it takes energy. Call it a jolt of testosterone to be a boy. And um, I'll tell you, before wrapping up, there was an NPR show uh, called All Things Considered. This was on national public radio. You could hear it on radio. You could hear it on the Internet. And there was one show and um, absolutely fascinating about testosterone and uh, the impact it had on different kinds of boys and different kinds of men. And it, it was so revealing and so violating of contemporary woke ideas of male and female that I wouldn't be surprised if they've pulled it off and you can no longer find it on the Internet. But uh, you used to be able to, and uh, I'm pretty sure I took down a transcript of it at the time because I was so blown away by it. But um, this guy... Um, who um, was very, very mild man. He started on a testosterone program, and he starts talking about how he started noticing women on the street. He never used to. And then the most interesting thing of all is, and for the first time in his life, he says, he started developing an interest in science. Hello? Larry Summer, who was the president of Harvard University, got fired, lost his job. Because he said, intrinsically, men are more interested in science than women are. He's right. It's true. Testosterone produced an increase in interest in science. Wow. Yeah. Look, uh, there are many things in this world that uh, are strange. And the strangest of all is the willingness of large numbers of people to buy into propaganda. And paramount among all this propaganda is socialism with its attack on civilization and uh, its attack on male-female differences, all part of it, because part of the way you destroy civilization is is to destroy the family. We know the family is the root of civilization. That was one of the great secrets of the West. Difference between the West and the rest? The Christian, Bible-based, Judeo-Christian idea of family and marriage That produces civilization. Well, therefore, you wish to destroy civilization, destroy male-female relationships in any way you can. There are so many great ways to destroy male-female relationships. But if you're interested in doing it right, my friends, doing the finances right and the male-female right, the family right and the friendships right and the faith right and the fitness right, well, then you want to, number one, Make sure you've downloaded a copy of uh, the Holistic You ebook from my website, rabbidaniellappin.com. And you want to make sure you listen to a free episode of Scrolling Through Scripture, eye opening. And that's what people write and tell me, right? In huge numbers from around the world, scrolling through Scripture. Uh, the first episode is free, obviously. I hope you're going to like it enough to help us underwrite the cost of producing the stuff but uh, if not then not that's also fine we'll be very happy for you to enjoy and get benefit from the first episode of scrolling through scripture it's yours to watch 
for free. And that, my dear friends, is as far as we go in today's show. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and I wish you a wonderful week of growing and strong relationships with your finances and your family and your friendships and your fitness, and yes, your faith as well. God bless. Spilling ancient solutions to modern problems in areas of family, faith, friendship, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.